Hey, I'm Ashley. And um, I'm Ash. It's the Confess. Here on Hex Girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> If y'all follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you're going to know we've got some exciting news and some exciting guests that are going to be here on Hex Girlfriends in just a matter of days. Very exciting stuff. If you like to write, if you like to be scared absolutely shitless, you want to stay tuned because we have the Hayes brothers that are going to be joining us. Yes, it's going to be such an honor. They are doing a writer's workshop. So we would love to know any kind of questions, whether you're a writer or not, that you have for the Hayes Brothers. Listen, these guys are fucking geniuses. This is the Conjuring universe, okay? If you have anything you want us to ask them, we want you involved. Yeah, so now that we've got that little bit of housekeeping out of the way, what are we talking about tonight? Well... Scaring the hell out of your kid for fun doesn't apply to just our generation. Did you know that? (laughs) They tortured me as a child. (laughs) Well, we're not the only ones. It goes back to the dawn of man, Mm. or at least the 12th century. The 12th century? That's a long time ago. And it's not only scary, but downright traumatic if you were a kid in Germany or Austria during this time. Okay, imagine being a child playing... Russian roulette with a boot. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) You could wake up and your wildest dreams of fruit and chocolate could be in that boot. Or you could wake up in hell. Oh. Accompanied by a goat demon. Goat demon? My stories always end up with a goat man at some point. You can probably find Krampus down in public Kentucky on the train trestle. You can find Krampus on the public train trestle, y'all. That's where he that's where he vacations. We got a Kentucky Krampus. That's right. And he's got his blue jeans and his flannel on and he's carrying an axe instead of chains. How you doing? Yeah. Krampus worked out. Yeah. <laughs> he's out there splitting wood before he's splitting asses. <laughs> this didn't just apply to wee little babies. It goes for adults as well. So if you have been a fucker, that was your last year on earth to be a fucker because Krampus is beating your ass or taking you to hell. Oh, shit. Don't be a fucker. That's right. Krampus, the evil counterpart to St. Nicholas. (laughs) St. who? (laughs) Nicholas. Have you ever listened to Nick Swartzen stand up about his grandma visiting his show? No, I personally haven't, but I know I know who he is. He's fucking hilarious. Okay, well, that's his impersonation for his grandma saying, Nicholas. <laughs> and y'all, if you haven't seen it, I'm sorry that I wasted 30 seconds of your life. <laughs> Here's what we know about this terrifying legend. So get your cozy blanket, your Christmas cocktail, and set your boot by the door. My boots are by the door. Got my cocktail. <laughs> The exact origins of this legend are unknown and is thought to predate Christianity with roots in Alpine and Germanic paganism. He was originally a part of the pagan winter solstice celebrations. Holidays and paganism. You know what I'm saying. Goes hand in hand. Yeah. Who is Krampus? Um, I take my doll for my Krampus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Mm. Anyway, Krampus is believed to be the son of hell. Oh. Okay. okay. So not Lucifer. <laughs> right. The Norse god of the underworld. I mean, that's a fitting name for a terrifying god. Seriously, that's, I mean, that's a hefty title too. So Krampus is the devilish companion of St. Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> His name derives from the German word Krampen, which means claw. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, Cramps. My my man Freddy is the only claw I care about. Yeah, Freddy Kruger. Okay, Krampus stands about nine feet tall, Ew. has pointed devilish horns, oh. vicious fangs, and a snake-like tongue. As I mentioned earlier, he's half goat, half demon. I mean, if you're the Nordic lord of the underworld... I would expect nothing less. No, if you don't have <laughs> horns, get the fuck out. Krampus is hairy with hooves, obviously. Is my brother. And whose brother? My brother of the family. <laughs> <laughs> and stands slightly bent over. He carries chains, which symbolically bind him to the Catholic Church, since he is the so-called hellish twin of St. Nicholas. So the chains have bells of various sizes to warn of his arrival. So... On a dark winter's night with the wind howling, if you hear bells, don't automatically assume it's Santa, especially if you're an asshole. <laughs> it sounds like you in trouble. It could be Krampus coming to get you. So on December 5th, which is known as Krampusnacht or Krampus Night, for the good children, St. Nicholas will leave presents in the boot left by the door for the naughty ones, in this case children more than likely, will be snatched up. Beaten oh. with branches. Oh. And then if you're really bad, Krampus will kidnap you and feast on you in hell. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't like that. I mean, yeah. what sick bastard created this story? <laughs> Seriously. And then told it to their kids. I will take a lump of coal in my stocking any day and be grateful. I will do the elf on the shelf every goddamn day. <laughs> It, <laughs> it keeps Krampus know. away. <laughs> so essentially, the good children will awaken to gifts. And if you were just a little naughty, you survived. But you'd be cooling that ass off and nursing your injuries in the morning. Oof. So now that we know the main gist of the legend, I mean, it sounds so wholesome, right? Yeah. I'm, what a bedtime story. Let's talk about the celebrations and the festivities that surround Krampusnacht, which is celebrated on December 5th, the night before the feast of St. Nicholas. Right. He's going to come and get your ass before the party if you're an asshole. He's going to make a pit stop real quick. Exactly. Across Germany, Austria, and other European countries, they get pretty wild, to say the least. Basically, the tradition involves people dressing up as devils and chasing others throughout the streets. Sign oh. me up. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen pictures of this, actually. Oh, yeah. It's terrifying, but it looks cool as hell. Yeah, it looks cool as hell, but they all look like these big woolly demon beasts. They carry sticks and switches to poke the people they're chasing. Let's back up. Could you imagine doing that shit over here in the States and the lawsuits that would occur from Krampus Knocked? I guess it depends on what state you're in. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, <laughs> I award the defendant 300000 in emotional damage and another 50000 for the branch burns on the buttocks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not the branch burns. Uh. What's really disturbing about this tradition is the effort that goes into these masks and these costumes. It's literally mm -hmm. like you're in the movie Krampus. Yeah. The masks are so detailed and horrifying with their fangs and their red eyes, horns for days. Mm-hmm. I, love I mean, people do not 
tone it down for the sake of the kids in these festivals either. The devil is literally chasing kids through the streets. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a party. Now listen to this. You could appease Krampus by leaving Krampus schnapps. Oh, he likes it. He like it as schnapps, huh? Yeah, which is a strong distilled fruit brandy. Um, does sangria count? <laughs> now, dude, have you ever gotten drunk off peppermint schnapps? Ooh, no. I would never <laughs> be able to drink my peppermint mocha from Starbucks ever again if I did that. No. We got cookies for Santa and sangria for Krampus. I know who's coming to my house this year. <laughs> and I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a fucker. As long as I'm not an asshole. Yeah, exactly right. Some legends do state that if you offer Krampus fruit, it's essentially his kryptonite. So he just needs a charcuterie board and uh, some sangria. He just needs a charcuterie board and some sangria, (laughs) and he is good to go. He will have a polite conversation with you instead of dragging you to hell. Okay. So always keep a fruit basket nearby. Oh, my God. I wonder if that's why fruit baskets are so popular during Christmas. Could be. And that god-awful fruitcake. Oh, God. Fuck a fruitcake. My poor... (laughs) You know. I will give Krampus all the fruitcake. Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to give me branch burn on my butt. What kind of polite, hellish conversations do you think he has with the naughty children that have fruit for him? I'm in pray tell. I have no idea. So I saw where you um put gum in your sister's hair. Yeah. And... <laughs> that was real that was real naughty. Yeah, and that wedgie you gave to the neighbor's kid, that was badass. Good job. <laughs> and thanks for the plums. See you next year. <laughs> and then he's out the door. Yep, dragging them chains to the next house. Believe it or not, not everyone was thrilled with this charming Christmas tale. Catholics actually tried to ban him, but with his widespread association with Christmas, it was impossible. Catholics are probably the ones that created him. Mass media took a hold of the Krampus character during the postcard industry boom in the 1890s. These holiday postcards featured horrific images of Krampus frightening children. And of course, wait for it, some have Krampus as a seductive woman punishing men. Punishing bad men. Are you ah. fucking kidding me? Some people pay good money for that. Why? Does Krampus have an OnlyFans? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Krampus. Krampus. <laughs> Why do we have to make a sexy version of everything? <laughs> you can literally do it to anything now. The nastiest, most dreadful legend that you can imagine, and somehow we give it tits. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> You got to make it hot, I guess. You want to hear something really funny and ironic? Of course. Guess who banned Krampus? The Pope. Think about the most evil people you can think of in history. Uh, The government? The Nazis. Yeah. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That took you aback. Yeah. Uh So I'm dead. If there's anything scarier than Krampus, it's the fucking Nazis. Maybe they didn't want the competition. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I don't know. Krampus seems too cool for the Nazis. I think so, too. After they invaded Austria in 1938, they started to ban the devilish figure. I mean, do you see much difference between the two? No. You hate no. what you know. And you hate what you don't know. Well, to the Nazis, Krampus was an invention of the Socialist Democrats and Catholics. Yep. Psst. But the Catholics were trying to ban him, too. <laughs> 
So they banned all Krampus festivities along with those sexy Christmas cards that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> no, not the sexy Krampus Christmas card. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> they even required all Santas to be licensed by the state and had them monitored to make sure they weren't Krampus in disguise. Shut the fuck up. You had to be licensed to be a Santa Claus? You had to be monitored to make sure that you weren't Krampus. Oh, sorry. I was going to pat my hat back down. Cover that What's up. under that hat? Uh-huh. What's, what's under that beard? Fangs. Yeah, all of it. But thankfully, Hitler is dead, and the Krampus legend can now live on. He can continue to scare the hell out of children all throughout Europe. And don't worry, kids. You're getting the better end of the deal when it comes to Nazis versus Krampus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah seriously. The end. So I love Krampus, actually. Like, secretly, I've always wanted to go to the festivals. Yeah, that I think that would be about. fun. Yeah, I think it would be. I mean, I, I don't really want somebody to smack my ass with branches. Maybe That's not true. that part. Yeah, but... don't touch me, but I want to watch. Exactly. Yeah, like, I would I would much rather watch. And just the, like, what are the festivities? Like, what do they do? Do they drink and carry on? And, oh, yeah. Night of know? debauchery and... Yeah, and drinking and eating. <laughs> yeah, all the things. And you just have devils that chase you in the street also. Well, that's awesome. It's a win-win. So there's a lot of us out here, you know, whose seasonal depression kicks in when Halloween ends. So I feel like, you know, hashtag stay spooky and hop on the Krampus Festival train. Can't this blame them. Good... Raise your glass. Raise your fruit schnapps. Yes. Your, raise, raise your, your Krampus cr- schnapps and toast to staying spooky all year long. So that's actually an excellent segue into the story that I chose because, ironically enough, I chose a crazy Christmas folklore to share with you as well. Awesome. Yes. Cannot wait. This is a little bit longer. It's got a lot of detail and you're probably going to at some point be like, what the fuck does this have to do with Christmas? But... <laughs> Stick oh, with I'm ready me for it. Yeah, we hanging on, we sticking on. <laughs> All right. Again, I'm thankful for the fact that for centuries people have kept the spirit of spooky during the most wonderful time of the year. From movies like Gremlins to supernatural folklore about Christmas witches, demons, and anti clauses. Anti clauses. Yes. How awesome is that? Yeah. So that's they what... call him anti claus. <laughs> <laughs> so don't be a fucker. By now, you can probably guess I'm going to be throwing a little bit of history at you because that's how I set the stage here on this podcast. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, But stick with me because if you were a historical dickhead, your culture might have just created a terrifying tale with you at the center of it as a horrific creature of lore with a whole ass story to torment and scare children, just like Krampus. I'm all about some tormenting stories to uh, scare children. Let's get let's, going with this. Let's scare these great. kids. <laughs> all right. So this one's pretty old because I can't resist taking you on a trip in my favorite rocket ship back to a historical place in time and, you know, just sharing the creepiest, scariest shit I can find. Strange, whatever. And there's a lot of it back then. So are you ready? I was born ready. I'm taking you back to the 1400s. Let's go. Yes. Yeah, we we still right there near the 12th century. That's fine. Right. Because yours, I mean, yours is even older than mine, which is oh, crazy. Yeah. So Maybe they knew each other. It, they might have. They could be palling around right now. Around 1450, a man named Hans von Trotha was born to a family of German aristocrats in southwest Germany. They lived under what was called the German Palatinate, a territory of the Holy Roman Empire. It's very games of 
thrones because you Perfect. had these, yeah, you had these prince electors is what they called them under the empire. And they were in charge of these different territories, which made up the electoral palatinate. And these territories stretched from the left bank of the Upper Rhine in Germany and the adjacent parts of the Alsace-Lorraine, I'm not French, regions in France, down to the east bank of the Rhine. Okay. Hans would become a diplomatic mastermind over time, and he would serve as both a knight and a marshal to the prince elector of the Palatinate. He started his career very young, but he, you know, kind of rose up through the ranks pretty quickly because he was not only useful, he was extremely loyal. So by the time he was 20, the elector at the time, Philip the Sincere, gifted. <laughs> Do Did you he believe him? That night? Yeah. I swear. I'm sincere. <laughs> I'm honest. He gifted him the fiefs or basically like a medieval contract. Not quite a deed. Not yet a woman. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry. ADHD. You got to sing it now. <laughs> not I'm not a deed. deed. Not yet a woman. <laughs> oh, I can always count on you to match my energy. <laughs> This was a just basically it was a medieval contract for two castles. So Philip the Sincere gave him two castles. Grafendon Castle, which was basically falling apart, and Bavarstein Castle, which was the tits. This is going to be where Von Trotha would ultimately spend all of his time. So like total opposites of the spectrum. Yeah, it's like he got gold in one hand and poop in the other. Okay. Yeah. It happens to the best of us. You know. Does, you know. <laughs> um, so Grafendon today is a ruin, but Bavarstein still fully functional and you can actually stay there and there's a restaurant and it's like you can go there and like vacation. Okay, add that to the list. Yeah, let's we're going to Castle Bavarstein. How do you spell that? Uh, I don't know. Uh B <laughs> it's like it, it looks like B wart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Once he was gifted. Bavartstein, he fortified the fuck out of this place. He made it practically impenetrable. He also built a 15-meter-high tower nicknamed Little France to serve as a reminder to anyone who got any ideas that he'd kill your ass. Okay. Um, I should probably mention here that when Philip the Sincere gifted Bavartstein to Hans von oh. Trotha, it actually already belonged to Benedictine monks along with everything inside of it. The abbot and the monks lived in Weissenberg, I think it's pronounced Weissenberg Abbey, which was basically next door. But Bavarstein and all its guts were theirs legally. Um, Hans von Trotha, he didn't see it this way. The castle was part of the territory and Philip the Sincere ruled the territory. So he said, shut your mouth, it's mine. He would never give it up. He basically, in his mind, he earned it fair and square. And suddenly you've got Will Farrell and John C. Riley because these two dipshits are fighting like the stepbrothers for the next 10 years. He totally touched his drum set. He, he totally touched his fucking drum Put set. Put that ball sack right on the drum set. You know? <laughs> Finally, Hans had had enough and he decided that he was going to march his ass down to the river, which was a main water source for the town that was at the base of the hill where the castle and the abbey stood. And he was going to dam that river up. So... He did. He created a reservoir and everything behind the dam was destroyed. Not only that, he fucked up their water supply. They were like, bro, the fuck we do? Like, why? Um, right, right. Like, don't you have anything else better to do with your time? Yeah, you're being a fucker. Krampus is coming. The abbot decided he was going to tear the dam down, you know, to really give it to Vondrotha, which actually ended up flooding the town that's in the middle of their feud and economically destroyed them. When 
the abbot realized that these medieval man tantrums weren't getting anything accomplished, he sought help from the emperor and asked him to intervene. But with As Rome, does. oh, yeah, yeah, just <laughs> call up the emperor and say, he touched my drum set. <laughs> <laughs> I will not stand for it. I will not. But with Rome over 900 miles away, he was like, yeah, fuck you. And he ignored the, the warnings. And the abbot said, fine, I'm telling dad, you can't ignore the pope. And then he went to the pope, who was at the time Pope Innocent VIII. So he taps in. Now it's murky on exactly what transpired, but when Hans von Trotha still didn't give it up, it bit him in the ass and he was summoned to the Popal Court by Pope Innocent's successor, Alexander VI. Alexander was going to question him on his loyalty to the church and tell him, you know, you got to let it go. But again, being 900 miles away, Hans said, I'm just going to write a strongly worded letter instead. I'm going to write a letter. <laughs> and he he wrote a letter stating that he was extremely loyal to the church and that he was out here doing the good work to keep this area safe, it, all in the name of the Holy Roman Empire. In the same breath, though, he would scrutinize the Pope and basically say, hey, take a look in the mirror, buddy, because you're doing some sketchy, unholy shit yourself. Leave me alone. You got to kiss a little bit of ass. Like, yeah. dang. Yeah. No, he straight up lit the Pope's ass on fire with this one. Oh, man. Yeah, so much to his surprise, he was stripped of his title, exiled, and told, don't let the drawbridge hit you on the ass on the way out. Now be on your way. Uh-huh. This is gone. This is where the lore of Hans Trap, the cannibalistic Christmas scarecrow, begins. Have you ever heard of a better title? <laughs> the vindictive Christmas... cannibalistic yeah, scarecrow? Yeah, right? Packs a punch. Yeah. Well, this is a story that's more well-known to those in France versus Germany, which is where Hans von Trotha was from. So, disgruntled and chapped as hell, Hans marched his ass through the Bavarian forest and up a mountain where he built himself a makeshift hut. A tiny little shack where he would sit and sulk, stewing in rage, and, you know, that his lifelong dedication to the Palatinate and keeping it safe for the church was all for nothing because they wouldn't just shut up and let him have the goddamn castle. He is pouting about it. <laughs> Big time. show, sure. yeah. Major chapped. Raising both middle fingers in the air, Hans von Trotha made a pact with the devil and began practicing black magic and dabbling in the occult. As really, one does. Yeah, really swinging the opposite direction after being scorned yes. by the church. Uh-huh. He grew his hair long and his beard Ooh, turned shame. white. Yes, for shame. Sounds like Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. His beard too, you said? Yep, so he grew his hair long and his beard turned white as his desires grew darker and more sinister. He eventually found himself craving human flesh to the point where it made him crazier and more delirious from when he was just little angry exiled Hans. Wow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that took a turn. Oh, that's going to keep turning. Now, it wasn't just human flesh that he craved. It was specifically the tender, sweet flesh of children. Of a baby. Of a baby. Like fat bastard. That's right. And with his long white beard and his tall pointed black hat, much like Santa's, he'd stalk both Germany and the Alsace-Lorraine regions in France in search of his next meal. Okay, he definitely knows Krampus. Uh, I mean, you, they have like around. their own. Yeah, they have like their own frat, their secret society. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yo, I got to do some work, but then I'll hit you up after, and we can yeah drink some schnapps. Meet me at the pub. We'll have some schnapps. That's right. Meet me at the hut. <laughs> so over time, he decided that he was going to spice things up, and with his tall pointed hat, he would stuff his clothes with straw and sharpened sticks, planting himself in fields next to the road, waiting for passersby. Oh, my God. That's mm -hmm. terrifying. 
It's very terrifying. <laughs> On a snowy winter's eve, a shepherd's son was walking along the road when he saw a strange shadow casting in the moonlight across the snow. Curious, he made his way towards the shadow, and as he came closer, he saw the dark outline of a tall, scraggly, haggard old scarecrow seemingly out of place. Before the boy knew it, the looming figure leapt towards him, pulled a sharp stick out of the clothing, and killed the boy. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I've got a new fear of scarecrows. Bless his heart. I mean, that is terrifying. You said uh, it was at night, right? Yes, it was at night in the snow. Mm-mm. Mm, creepy, creepy. Pleased and starved, Hans dragged the boy's body up the mountain back to his little shack of horrors and started a fire. He chopped the boy into pieces and then he began to roast the meat, very eager to devour the body. But just as he rose the meat to his lips, a bolt of lightning was sent down by... Zeus? <laughs> no, we're in Germany here. We can't oh, 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 oh. <laughs> we're in the Holy Roman Empire. Oh. You know, a bolt of lightning was sent down by God and struck Hans and split his head in two. Because God said, you know what? We, that's not... We don't do that kind of thing. We don't be eating babies dude. down here. No, that's not that's not how we do this. Uh, and that was the end of Hans von Trotha. Now, Ash, mm-hmm. how the fuck is this a Christmas story? Is probably there's, what you're wondering. It's cold and there's snow on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. <laughs> Merry holidays. So in these European regions, there is both rich and terrifying lore to tell to children as we just heard with the Krampus story. So if you're good, you can expect a visit from old father Christmas, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, etc. But if you're a naughty little shit and depending on where you lived, you might hear the tale of Hans Trap, a creepy cannibalistic scarecrow who stalks the countryside and drags you to the forest to be eaten. So would you rather be eaten in hell or in the forest? I mean, at least he's going to spank me first, so I'd probably pick Krampus. (laughs) (laughs) He got to get you tender first. Sorry, Mom. It was also told that when God struck him with that lightning bolt splitting his head in two, his spirit was then damned to roam the earth, opposite of whatever light spirit that gifted presents in holiday cheer. While they rewarded the good children, Hans Trapp would come for the naughty children dressed as a scraggly, haggard scarecrow with a long white beard and pointed black hat. Do you think Hans and Krampus ever fought over the naughty kids? Like, bitch, I'm hungry. This is my fucking kid, okay? Yeah, yeah. I deserve this kid. <laughs> and then yeah. Pennywise comes in saying, bitch, I eat kids all year round. There's going to be three parts here. That's right. Cut me in. Now, what really happened to Hans von Trotha after his exile? Philip the Sincere actually had a soft spot for him, and he sort of overlooked what happened back at the Palatinate with the Pope and all the bullshit over the castle and actually sent him off to France where he would impress Louis Twelfth, and would eventually be dubbed the Chevalier d'Or or Golden Knight. So let this be a lesson. If you're an immature little fucknut, society might turn you into a murderous, cannibalistic, crazy man who stalks and eats children instead of seeing you as the goddamn Golden Knight that you are. Merry fucking holidays. Cheers Mm. to that. Keeping the spooky spirit alive through the holiday season for you guys here on Hex Girlfriends. I love spooky Christmas. Those holiday stories were fun. Um, This episode is full of a lot of little fun surprises. So we talked about our upcoming 
talk with the Hayes brothers, the creators of The Conjuring, and we did some medieval Christmas folklore. Now we've got a spooky scuttlebutt. Now we don't know if we can use our listener's name, so we're going to leave that out. Yeah, we don't know if we can use their name, but we're going to read their story anyways, and they'll be listening so they'll know who they are. And we want you to send in your own paranormal experience. All of them. So we moved into our home in 2008. It didn't take long until we started hearing things. At first, we would hear footsteps up the stairs when no one was up there. This was almost daily for a few years. Then we started hearing what sounded like things falling down the stairs. Heavy totes would just fall over randomly. Ooh. It was me. I fell down. <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> that reminds me of um, what house? It was the Lizzie? I think the Lizzie Borden house. It's another house where maybe it's the Velisca axe murders where the ball rose down the stairs. Yeah, could anyway. be that. One night, it sounded like someone was trying to get in through our back door. Then it sounded like a ping pong ball bouncing on our kitchen floor. That was super spooky. That's a specific sound. I had my hair flipped, tugging on my clothes, and super weird chills. Oh. Something was tugging on their hair and their clothes? Oh. A few months back, my daughter's bed began to shake in a toy that has to be squeezed to make a noise. Well, it made a noise by itself twice. We did have a paranormal team once that came out, and after that happened, they were told to get out. Oof. Zach, was that you? I'm Zach Baggins. <laughs> they said, get your ass out of here. <laughs> I'm Zach Baggins, and I was told to get the fuck out. <laughs> they didn't think it was a demon, but definitely got some weird vibes. So we are waiting for them to come back and do an overnight investigation. So to be continued. And if you do end up having a paranormal crew come out and stay overnight, please tell us how that goes. Invite us. Yeah. Well, no, I'll watch a video. I'll come over. Fuck, I'll come over. (laughs) I will bathe in some holy water. I will sprinkle my hair with some garlic. It works if you believe in it. (laughs) Thank you so much for sending in your spooky scuttlebutt. And we are anxiously waiting to hear what happens next at the overnight investigation. For all you other hexy motherfuckers out there, if you want to send us your strange, spooky, unusual, creepy stories, you can email us at hexgirlfriendspodcast at gmail.com. Yes, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Hit that follow button on Spotify and whatever platform that you're listening to us on. You know what we were thinking? It would be cool if y'all could share our Facebook page and tell us what your favorite episode is or tell the world. We would like to know. So tell us. Make sure you go and do all of the things that Ashley just said. And we got to go because... They come and and I think they got bells tied to their talons. It's time to go. Bye. Bye.